And we'll start there in verse 1. Let's just start with by way of a background. And it came to pass, Acts 19.1, that while Apollos was at Corinth, we met him last week. We talked about him. Paul went to Athens and ended up in Corinth. Um, and uh, we learn about Apollos. And Apollos stays back at Corinth. And Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. There's a comma. The story goes on. We're going to see in just a moment. Uh, Paul is traveling from Corinth, across the Aegean Sea, to, uh, from, uh, to Ephesus from Corinth, and he meets some confused men. Um, just, just I love maps, so I like you. And the, one of the neat things about most Bibles, they have maps at the back of your Bible. Look them up. Find out where these places were. Uh, Achaia, that whole area on the left-hand side is Greece. And Corinth was a major city in Greece, not quite Athens. Athens was across from it. And Paul took a boat and left over and went to Ephesus back in what they called in that day Asia. All right, it's Asia Minor, but it's modern-day Turkey. And then he went to a town, city called Ephesus. Um, he visits Ephesus many times. He loves Ephesus. He actually writes a letter to the Christians at Ephesus. It's called To the Ephesians. So it's probably that and the book of Philippians are two gemstones of the New Testament. They are just rich with truth and with encouragement and joy. So uh, he meets some confused men, and Luke, who's the author of the book of Acts, takes note of it. He's impressed by the Holy Spirit to record this event to clear up some confusion. Because as you've gone through Acts, haven't you seen, there's been some confusion about, do you have to be circumcised? Do you have to keep the law? What about the Sabbath? And, and so now comes some confusion about two things that, that need to be cleared up. Uh, one of them's about the Holy Ghost, and the second one is about baptism. So look back there in verse 1. Let's read it again and see. It says, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. Now, when he finds these, he think in your mind inverted commas around the word certain. These aren't your normal students of the Bible. These are Jews. They are in Ephesus, but they're, they're, they're not quite desperately lost Jews, and they're not saved yet. They're confused. And uh, they, they, um, uh, had, uh, they had a limited knowledge of what we take for granted is called the New Testament. They didn't have uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Acts was being written. And so uh, the revelation that they had, all of the truth they had, was the Old Testament, all the way up to John the Baptist. They heard what John the Baptist preached. Um, and uh, it, Paul was concerned about this because what John preached was not enough to save anybody. John was not trying to get people saved. John was getting people ready for the Messiah who saves. You understand that difference? Okay. And there are plenty of preachers who preach and preach and preach. And people go around, I guess I'm a good person because I go to church or whatever, and realizing it's not church, it's not preaching, it's not, uh, and you understand what I mean by this, it's not, it's not what happens here that saves you, it's what Jesus did that saves you, Amen. okay? So Paul is concerned that they understand the gospel, they fully understand it, because there are plenty of people who call themselves Christians, and they're not. There are people who call themselves disciples, they may even study the Bible, that doesn't mean that they are saved. So Paul is concerned about these certain disciples. And let's read verse 2 and 3 now. And he said unto them, 
he tests them. He says unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Now, that's kind of humorous, and yet it's also kind of sad, all right? Um, just now, he actually says, oh, you guys claim to be believers. Great. Uh, did you know belief doesn't save you, all right? Uh, well, let me just say it this way. I don't want to, belief that doesn't change you is only a religion. Belief should save you. And these men have a belief that has not changed them. Paul's saying, have you, been, have you received the Holy Ghost since you were uh, since you became a believer. And they're quite confused. They go, we've never heard of the Holy Ghost. So uh, they admit ignorance, which is a good thing. Men don't usually admit that unless they're looking for their socks. Uh, but the Holy Spirit is throughout the Old Testament. If you remember in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. So the Spirit of God there in Genesis chapter 1 all the way through, you probably remember Psalm 51 where Paul says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. So the Holy Spirit is throughout the Old Testament, but that doesn't mean that people understand him. And they don't understand, what is this about him coming? And they're ignorant of one of the most important parts of the salvation of a soul. Paul pressed further, and he says in verse 3, he said to them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. So what were you doing when you got baptized? They reply, let's see if I've got this right. Uh, oh, let me, let me, um, yeah, I'll come back to that in a second. Uh, what were you doing uh, when, when you got baptized, and they said, we're just doing what John told us to do. And that's kind of amazing. John the Baptist was all the way down in Israel, the Jordan River, and yet what he preached was known about way up in Ephesus. That's, that's how God works. When God had a prophet preach, a queen in Sheba heard. God gets the word out, okay? So they hear about what John was preaching. And... Uh, these men says, we're doing what John told us to do. We're baptized unto John's baptism. Well, let's go back to John's baptism. Go back to Matthew chapter 3. We will come back to Acts chapter 19 in a moment. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist, Matthew 3, 1 preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this is he that was uh, spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Watch those words. He's preaching to prepare people for the Lord. Make his path straight. Verse 4. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. He had a very simple recipe book. <laughs> Verse 5. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan. And they were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Now here's where a lot of cults come along and say, see, you got to baptize to get your sins forgiven. 
nail them and go, not at all. That's preparation for the Messiah. These people only knew about getting baptized, but they did not know Jesus. Can you be saved without knowing Jesus? No. I don't care if you've been baptized 47 times. I don't care if you go at, at December 25th into the icy cold Atlantic, or if you're in a sauna, you can be baptized over and over. It will never wash away your sin. John the Baptist was giving them what, uh, especially the Jews, what to do in preparation for the Messiah. I'll talk about that in a moment. What is important is Paul knows that their ignorance will keep them from being saved. Um, let me show you an ignorance that damns. I call this repentance baptism. I'll explain it more in a moment. Repentance baptism, which is what the Jews were asked to do, is a good thing. It's for a Jew, okay? But it was to prepare them for the Messiah. But it only got them wet. It never got them saved. These disciples knew about the Messiah coming. They knew he was coming. Even John the Baptist said he would come. But they did not know enough. They didn't know he had come. Wouldn't that be a revelation? I mean, they keep looking for him, and then Paul's going to tell them he came. <laughs> he came. They didn't know that, that Christ had lived and had taught and had died on the cross and had been buried and rose again. He didn't know that the promised Holy Spirit had come and had stayed. Wow. They didn't know that the New Testament began at the cross, the new covenant in his blood was now here. The old covenant of the law was done away with. Forgiveness was fully paid for. Did not, they did not know that he could save them right then and there. That's why Christians talk to everybody because Everybody needs to know these things. I, most people I meet, guess what? They've all been baptized. Haven't they? And they're still dirty, rotten, filthy, wicked sinners. Haven't been changed one bit. So ignorance can damn you. I'll take you to a verse. Go to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Gospel of John chapter 3. John 3, 18. There are plenty of people who are believing in their church, believing in their baptism, believing in their priest, believing in their pastor, believing in their goodness. Look what it says in John 3, verse 18. These are the words of Jesus. He that believeth on him, on the Messiah, on Jesus, is not condemned. Isn't that good? I mean, that's enough to make you shout. He that believeth, not get baptized, but he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. You're in trouble. Why? Because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. What keeps people out of heaven is not your sin per se. Yes, of course, my sin is separated between me and God. But what's keeping me from getting saved? My, my ignorance, my neglect, and with some people, my refusal. But it's available, isn't it? You cannot blame God when you end up in hell because you are the one. If, 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 if there's anything that ought to burden our heart, it's to open people's eyes and say, don't fight God. Believe the truth. He died for you. Do you understand what Jesus did? And most people don't. So uh, Paul goes on here. Jack, back, go to Acts chapter 19 again. Acts 19.4. 
Paul explains the gospel to them. 19.4, then said Paul, and Paul just completes their understanding. He says, John verily baptized with the baptism of, what's the word? Okay, so what was he trying to get the Jews to do? Repent. With the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should now believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. See, John demanded repentance and baptisms, baptism of the Jews for a reason. It was to prepare them for the coming of the Messiah. Repentance is a change of attitude about your sin. Okay, that's as far as I, the meaning of baptism, is, uh, the meaning of repentance, I said baptism. The meaning of repentance is to change your mind and change your direction, but you come with an attitude of, I don't want my sin to take me to hell, and you turn to God and you cry out to be saved. That's repentance. It's a change of focus. A lot of people are so focused on themselves and what they've done for God, they forget what Jesus did for you. And repentance is letting go of your self-righteousness, letting go of your plans and of your religion. That's what the Jews were being asked. Guess what? In the kingdom of God, there are no more Jews, are there? In the kingdom of God, there are no more Gentiles either. There's not even any Irish. There are Christians. That's who's in the kingdom of God. So you got to stop. You say, well, I'm Irish. The Irish don't do that. The Irish don't sing like that. The Irish, I don't care where you come from or what your culture is. Be Christian now. That's what we're called to be. And the Jews were being asked to stop being Jews and to follow Christ. You understand that? That's where people try to they mess up the gospel. So John demanded repentance. And then he told them good news that the Messiah has come. Guess what he calls him? Look there in the verse. 19.4. That they should believe on him which should come after him. And that is on Christ Jesus. Isn't that marvelous? His name is Christ Jesus. I mean, he, they, they probably to be told that the Messiah had come and they hadn't seen him. <laughs> he had been in Israel and walked the streets of Jerusalem, had walked around the Sea of Galilee and had been crucified by their own people and was buried and three days later got out of the grave. It must have just taken their breath away to hear that Messiah has come. I mean, what is Christmas? Christmas is the fact that Jesus came and we celebrate. Well, they had never realized that Christmas came and grew up and it died and was alive again. So this was Paul explaining the gospel. Now notice the reaction, verse 5. When they heard this, what were they now? They're baptized again. Wow. In the name of the Lord Jesus. All right. The reaction, number one, is they believed it. See, you sometimes think, oh, people won't believe this. I did. When my pastor preached week after week, I put up every wall I could, but in the end, after eight weeks of coming to church, hearing the gospel put clearly before me that Christ died for me and that there's nothing I can do to get to him, he came to me over and over. The gospel was preached, and by the 15th of June, 1980, on a Sunday night, I finally said, I believe it, and it saved my soul. You say, how does, it, how does that work? God made it that easy so anybody could get saved. He doesn't have to hit you with a hammer, okay? He just wants to get your attention and you to go, I believe it. So they believed Paul's explanation of the gospel. Then they were rebaptized. 
this time as believers the first time as Jews now they're believers they're followers of Jesus then they oh something else happens look in verse 6 19 6 now they prove they received the Holy Ghost in the midst of all that confusion something had to take place so that it was a done deal in their heart and everybody watching verse 6 and when Paul had laid his hands on them the Holy Ghost came on them remember the, the being the part of the Trinity they never knew about they didn't know what he meant or anything came upon them and they spake with tongues and they prophesied what a day they must have had think about that um, go to Acts chapter 2 Acts chapter 2 these men started miraculously speaking not just with gibberish don't ever think that tongues is gibberish tongues is a language that's unknown to the speaker that's all it is but it's known to somebody else who's listening to you Acts chapter 2 and verse 4 and they this is on the day of Pentecost when those apostles up in the upper room and they were all filled with who Ah, the Holy Ghost, the gift of the Holy Ghost. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. They began to speak with other, here's the word, people get confused and get all messed up on, other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 5, and they were dwelling in Jerusalem, at Jerusalem, and there were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude of Jews came together and were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own what? heard them in their own language they were from all over the Roman Empire they were from northern Africa they, and they said I, I hear I, I hear my home language there he's speaking in this and he, that person speaking in my language they were not speaking in gibberish or a heavenly language they were speaking in unknown tongues to the speaker and they they, they proved which was proving that they had the gift of the Holy Spirit of God um, they became these men go back to Acts chapter 19 Acts chapter 19 <coughs> verse 7 and all the men were about 12 you think about that number these men became a core core group of men in that church one of the strongest churches for for the first 50 years of church history was the church at Ephesus. Jerusalem couldn't hold a candle to the church in Antioch and the church at Ephesus. This church was a very, very strong, doctrinally strong church. And I think it's because they had some good men. They had some strong, character-filled men. And this is the core of that church in Ephesus. They made it so that Ephesus became one of the jewels of Christianity in the first century world. That's what we need today. Folks, do not leave it to your wife to be more spiritual than you. We ought to be fighting to be more spiritual than our wives. Amen. We need to be working and having more of a Christ-like spirit than our children. We want our kids to be like Christ. But as men, we've got to be like Christ. We need core men. You don't need 50. Jesus started with 12. This church at Ephesus starting with 12. Core men make a difference. And then they grew. Well, let's see. They grew. As they learned, verse 18, I'm sorry, yeah, verse 8. They went into the synagogue and spake boldly. And he, Paul, went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. 
So they were there hanging on everywhere. They were at church every service. They, every time there was a discipleship going on, there was a Bible study, there was a prayer meeting, they grew. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? You never arrive, folks. You never get to the place to say, I don't need church. If you ever get to that place, you're backslid, amen? And you're dangerous. So they grew. Now, there's some things we need to sort of nail down here and learn from what we just read. Number one, Acts is a transition book. It describes transitions. A lot of things are changing. What are some of the things that are changing? Well, it's going from an emphasis. In the Old Testament, have you noticed, there's a lot of talk about the Jews, amen? It's basically all about the Jews and their need to repent and their need to get back right with God and their need for a king and their not need for a king. Everything's about the Jews. You read in the book of Acts, things are changing to the emphasis now being on us and on Gentiles and all nations. Acts describes a change going from the Old Testament law to New Testament covenant of grace. That's why you, it takes until Acts chapter 15 before the, the apostles start figuring out, we don't need to require circumcision of anybody. We don't need for people to live up to the law ever. But it took to Acts 15 for them to settle that because they're struggling with, it's changed. When Jesus died on the cross, things changed. And Acts is describing how people are all <laughs> catching up with that. There's also the transition of the coming of the Holy Spirit. This was breathtaking. For, especially for a Jew that was promised where God said, I would pour out my spirit, that was like, what does that mean? And then there it was. Now, the pouring out of the spirit was proven by gifts, like miracles. But that wasn't the purpose of the coming of the Holy Spirit. Anybody want to just take this in, take this in? The Holy Spirit is what keeps you saved. The Holy Spirit moves into your life, seals himself in until you get home. That is the gift that we got when we got saved. People say, I want the Holy Spirit so I can do miracles. That's the wrong reason to get the Holy Spirit. When you come to Jesus Christ crying out for him to save you, he puts his Holy Spirit in you to keep you. Amen. That is the miracle. That is the coming of the Holy Spirit and staying in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit would come upon Samson and he'd kill 800 people with a jawbone of a donkey. He would come on David, and David would write a new song, a psalm there, and then the Holy Spirit would leave. Remember he prayed, take not thy Holy Spirit from me? Yeah. Oh, it would happen all the time. Things, the Holy Spirit would come on King Saul, and then the Holy Spirit would come away. He's constantly doing that. He can't leave now. Amen. And Acts is describing how that thing is changing. So that's how come you don't, you don't, these charismatic churches, all this stuff, they're still in the transition. I'm in the revelation, okay? It's already a done deal. And then they went from, there were a lot of miracles in the book of Acts, just like there was in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But you'll watch as you go through Acts, fewer and fewer miracles. Why is that? Because the change is going to more and more preaching. People say, well, I would, I had somebody ask me this week, well, man, I would believe, this is what they say, if God did a miracle in front of me, I said, take a breath. That's a miracle. You just are so used to it, you don't think of how impossible it is for life to be living on this rock. That's a miracle. You just want something really fancy. And I just told him, I said, 
In the Bible, when people got miracles, they got spoiled and they didn't become believers. They got more bitter and they just, when God gave Israel manna, you know what they said? Well, can he give us water? <laughs> and when he gave them water out of a rock, they says, well, where's the meat? And they never went, wow. They never stopped and just worshiped God. Miracles don't change a soul. Preaching does. The preaching of the truth. So Acts is that change of focus from miracles the Jews needed the miracles to mainly just preaching I go around and if somebody doesn't get saved by the truth no miracle will save them amen, amen. and then we're going on this we're given another baptism it's believers baptism we'll come back to that in a moment second thing I want to learn from from this part of the chapter is some answers to confusion about the Holy Ghost these 12 men didn't know about the Holy Ghost. Okay, a lot of people don't. But let me say this. The Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit are the same person, amen? <laughs> that is the third part of the Trinity. How many of you remember? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And I know all the new versions say the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But your King James Bible keeps that change, that difference for a reason, because the Holy Ghost is his name. Remember what it says, baptizing them in the name of of the Father, and the name of the Son, Jesus, and the name of the Holy Ghost, not the Holy Spirit. So Holy Ghost is his name, and the Holy Spirit is his work. He works spiritually. Now some of you need physical work on you, you need to work out, you need gym, but the Holy Spirit works on our spirit as God's spirit. Second thing I want to say. The Holy Ghost was given in stages there in the book of Acts. He was given to show that anyone could see, get saved. In Acts chapter 2, there was only one people group there that got the gift of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost. Who was it? Just the Jews and mainly the apostles. There they are. And then Peter comes up to Cornelius. Go to, go to Acts chapter 10. Acts, go to Acts chapter 10. While you're turning there. Cornelius gets the gift of the Holy Spirit and he's a Gentile. Nobody lays hands on him. Nobody tells him you need to get the Holy Spirit. No, he gets the Holy Ghost right then and there. So you're seeing that the purpose of God doing this in stages was very simple this. The Jews had all of the promises of God. And they needed to learn that they, those promises were now available to the Gentiles if they, get, if they get saved. So Acts chapter 10, you see, we get the Holy Spirit now the moment we get saved. Look at Acts chapter 10 in verse 43. 1043. Peter's preaching his heart out, talking to this Gentile Roman centurion, a guy who shouldn't get saved according to the Jews. Verse 43, to Jesus, give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission, we'd say removal of sins. Hallelujah. Amen. Verse 44, wouldn't it be great? While the preacher's preaching, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. <gasps> That's magic. Verse 45, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. They got the gift just as much as we Jews did. 
for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And verse, then answered Peter, verse 47, Can any man forbid water, now they need to get baptized, that they should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. They're just as saved as we are. Does that make sense? So when you're coming to the book of Acts, and most people, you know, where most cults go when they want to create their false doctrines and their heresies, they go to the book of Acts. And there's things going on, and you want to pick something out of its time frame, and yeah, no wonder. You can find it in the Bible, but boy, you better find out who they're talking to. Is, is this a transition? It's that simple, folks, that, all right, Acts has got a lot of truth, but God is changing focus here and bringing in Gentiles into a Jewish mindset, and it takes a lot of work. Just know this. They got saved even before Peter gave the invitation. They got saved in their hearts. You don't have to pray a fancy prayer. You don't even have to say any words. You just go, oh, I just believe. I just trust. I don't have anything else to trust in. I just trust you. You're in. That's it. Aren't you glad it's that simple? Now let's answer about baptism. Because there's a lot of confusion about that as well. See, did you notice? Go back to chapter 19, verse 3. 19, verse 3. Did you notice that these Jews had already been baptized by John the Baptist? They've already been baptized by a good guy. And yet still needed to be baptized as believers now? Look at Acts 19, 3. He, Paul, said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Verse 4, then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance. But he was saying this when he did it, saying to all the people that they should, you're getting baptized now, but I want you to believe on him that shall come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. These men were, these men were ready for the Messiah, but they were not yet saved by the Messiah. They, that moment, believed the good news about the Messiah they believed the gospel, and then they were baptized. That's why it's called believer's baptism. Now, you can go ahead and be baptized with the baptism of repentance, and you'll go to hell. Amen? You can stand there and repent of all your sins in front of, in front of some fancy preacher or priest or whatever and get baptized, pouring, sprinkling, dunking, whatever you want, and you can confess your sins all day long, and it will not save you. You know what will save you? Jesus Christ, Amen. if you call on his name. And what's the truth is... Um, I'll talk about this in a second, is after you get saved, then you get baptized. There were several baptisms going on back then. I, I, see, I'm going to confuse you before I untangle it, okay? <laughs> several baptisms were going on. Number one, we had repentant baptism. That's what the Jews were being commanded to do. It was only for the Jews. It was only water. It never saved anybody. John was pointing to Jesus coming. He says, looking for the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And he said that when he comes, he will baptize with the Holy Ghost, talking about Jesus, and with fire. So no one needs to be baptized this way now. There's a second baptism. It's called Holy Spirit baptism. Now the Charismatics love that term because they think that you have to speak in tongues and then you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. No. When you're born again, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen. See, he put me in Christ, and he put Christ in me. Whew. 
And Jesus is all the way in, and I'm all the way in. It occurs when a person gets saved. Uh, it is a spiritual baptism. There's no water involved. And it's a gift, folks. He's called the gift of the Spirit. There's the third one, which is believer's baptism. For those who've been saved, gotten saved. You know what believer's baptism is? It's a statement to the world that you're a believer in he who died and was buried and rose again. That's who, you're not just getting wet, you're testifying, that's my Savior who died and was buried and rose again for my life. Now again, believer's baptism does nothing for you. It doesn't save you. Repentant baptism does nothing for you. It doesn't save you. There's only one baptism that saves. That's the Holy Spirit coming in your life when you get <coughs> saved, when you cry out, when you're desperate for God to save your soul. There is a fourth baptism. I need you to go to Matthew chapter 3 again because you need to see this because there are charismatics who like to preach on this one and you don't want it. Matthew chapter 3 verse 10. This is a baptism that John warned about. And it's a baptism I hope you don't want anybody to experience. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 10. John is preaching. And now also the axe is laid to the root of the trees. What's he going to do? He's going to cut down trees, man. People, and he's talking about people who are so proud of themselves. They've grown so powerful. And John says the axe is at the root of your life, about to cut you down. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not Fourth, good fruit is hewn down, cut down, and cast into what? The fire. Verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me, who he's mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. <whistles> Look at the fire. So he says, I need the baptism of fire. No, you don't. Look at verse 12. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, into a barn, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Two baptisms coming up. John says, I'm baptizing you with water. That's not the baptism you need. You need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you don't get that, you're going to get the baptism of fire. And he'll do it. It's not a religion that damns you. It's not your sins that damn you. It's your rejection of him as Savior. Because if you don't come to him as Savior, you will face him as judge. And his fan, now his fan is a winnowing fan that separates those days. They'd take the, uh, the wheat berries and the kernels, and it would be, it would be covered with chaff, and you'd beat the, um, uh, the, the stalks of wheat and then you had to take that fan and you would throw it in the air and the chaff would go up higher and the wind would blow it away and then they would collect that chaff and it was only good for one thing, burning. And the seed you'd make bread out of and that's what you keep. And the principle is one are saved and the other one are lost. And that's the baptism of fire. And that's not the baptism to look forward to. So the fourth baptism is the baptism of fire. So when people talk about baptism in the book of Acts, you better find out which one they're talking about. Okay? You say, I'm more confused than ever. I understand. But we've got to try because there's a lot of confusion out there. And you need to know this. You need Jesus Christ. And without you even realizing it, the Holy Spirit came to your life and sealed himself in. You can't lose it, folks. 
He's there forever. You're going home. Now, you may go home early <laughs> if you live like the devil now. He will chasten you. He will not let you ever be happy living in sin because the Holy Spirit's in there. But the Holy Spirit is there. That's the one to get in. If you've been born again, you should be baptized. Amen? Now, what if I don't get baptized? Well, you're being disobedient, but you'll still go to heaven. You'll just be ashamed when you get to heaven. Because Jesus said, I didn't ask much of you. Why did you fight me on such a simple thing? <laughs> See, he made it very simple, didn't he? Yeah. Just come out. I mean, the queers are coming out. They've been coming out of the closet for the last 20 years. When are Christians going to get back out? You're supposed, you're coming out day is the day you stand up in front of everybody and say, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. There was a time when I was wicked, ungodly. I was not looking for God, and God came looking for me. And I want to testify he got me. He humbled me. He convicted me. He made me realize I was on my way to hell. And I cried out for him to save me. And today, this day that I'm getting baptized, I'm letting the world know I'm coming for you. <laughs> I'm bringing the gospel. I'm living for Jesus Christ. That's what baptism is. There are false baptisms. There are false baptisms. If you, um, if you baptize yourself, that don't work, okay? That doesn't work at all. It needs to be done by a mature Christian, usually an elder or a pastor of a church, just, just to keep things in order. Goodness, I don't know. I, well, I went to the tub and I baptized myself three times, and it doesn't work. If you are baptized in secret, that doesn't work. Every time you find somebody baptized, it was public. Yes. It was public. Christian's not ashamed, I hope, amen. Well, I was baptized as a baby. doesn't work. You got wet, that's all. It wasn't even your choice. Baptism is you, as a Christian, deciding, I'm following Jesus, amen. Baby baptism doesn't work. If I ask you if you've been baptized, don't ever say, yeah, as a baby, you didn't get baptized, you got wet. If you were baptized as part of your salvation, well, when I was going in the water, I prayed for the Holy Spirit to fill me, and I asked God to save me. Are you trusting in the water or the blood? You got to ask, and I asked people this. I said, where were you baptized? Are you really a believer? Do you trust Jesus Christ? What were you thinking when you got in that water? And if that water was part of your salvation, guess what? You better get saved and trust Jesus Christ and then get rebaptized. Amen. I was baptized by the Mormons. I was baptized by John. You need to get rebaptized if you're saved now. Because <laughs> they don't believe the Bible. They don't believe Jesus is God. I mean, that's a mess. Don't you see? If you're, if, 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 these guys are an example of if you were confused when you got baptized the first time, get things right, get saved, and get baptized again. All right? Just, it's simple, but it's important. There are false baptisms. Just remember, baptism is never part of salvation. You know, I, put, I wear a ring on my finger. You know what this ring means? It means somebody owns me. <laughs> it means I belong to somebody. But if I took it off, am I not married anymore? No. It's a symbol, isn't it? I can't even get it off. Um, that's just a symbol. Now, if some of you decided to go to an Amazon store and order a doctor's smock, a coat and a stethoscope, and you put that on, would that make you a doctor? 
putting on a ring on a 19-year-old girl, and she says, I'm married now, and she's not got some guy yet. The ring doesn't make you marry, does it? And the coat doesn't make you a doctor, right? Okay, so not everybody on YouTube that has a coat on is a doctor. <laughs> anyway, not going to... Baptism is a symbol. That's all it is. It tells the world, I am saved. It doesn't make you saved. People are saved by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, 8. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. You can leave Acts. We're not going back there. We're just, we're done here. Act, uh, Ephesians chapter 2. In verse 8. Now watch how some people read it. For by grace, Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace you are saved through baptism. Through faith. And that not of yourselves. Your salvation is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works. You know, it takes a lot of work to find a river, find water, have somebody take you in there, put you under, you pulled back out. That's work. Jesus did all the work. I'm trusting him. That's all it is. If you're relying on some priest or some pastor or some holy man or some special magic service in order to wash away sin, you're as lost as the chair you're sitting in. You got to believe the blood of Jesus Christ. Go to 1 Peter. Last scripture, 1 Peter, almost to the end, right after Hebrews, comes James, and then 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse 18. First Peter 1 and verse 18. Mm. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Look at this verse. This comes, that's him, comes right from these verses. 1 Peter 1, verse 18, For as much as ye know, and you ought to know this, that ye were not redeemed, you were not paid for with corruptible things. Guess what money is? It decays. Corruptible things is silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. You say, well, I was born a Catholic. That's a tradition passed on to you. Is that what will save you? No. Verse 19, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Isn't that breathtaking? People are saved by, the, by faith in a man who bled and died a horrible death that we should have died. He took our place. It's called a substitute. And how can you, how can you ever say, well, that's not enough. I'll do a little bit more. I'll get baptized to earn your... No, no. He did it even when you weren't looking for him. He did it when we were ungodly, when we were sinners. Christ died for us. Amen. Anytime you meet somebody trusting in their baby baptism, in their current baptism, trusting in anything outside of what Jesus did, they need to know the gospel. They need their confusion untangled. And when they get saved, then they need to get baptized. And they need to know there'll be a change. Because when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, there is a change. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. You are born again. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Have you decided to follow Christ? 
to believe on Jesus Christ, to believe him enough to say, whatever he says, I'll do. You know, he, he had some people come and say, whatever you say, we'll do. He says, then believe. Just believe on me. And they went, huh? Well, don't we have to do it? No, no, just believe. And once you start following me, now you start doing. Now you start getting baptized. You start giving out tracts. You start growing. Start studying the Bible. But have you even started? Do you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? We read it back in Acts chapter 16. That Philippian jailer jumped into that hole. He pulled Paul and Silas out of that prison. He heard them singing and he went to sleep hearing the gospel. And he grabbed me and says, what must I do to be saved? And what did Paul say? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He said, it can't be that simple. Thank God it is. You've got to get saved in this life. Somebody says, well, when I get to heaven, I think the Lord will balance it. No, no, no. You've got to get saved now. Now is the day. Now is the accepted time. Don't wait till tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. Have you been scripturally baptized? That's a, big, that's a big step for a lot of people. It's the first step for the Christian. Say, I've been saved for years, but I've never been baptized. It's time to get baptized. Are there any supernatural changes in your life? You know, when a man gets married, some things change, amen? Don't they, Patrick? All right. Most of them for good, right? On both sides. When you get saved and the Holy Spirit moves in your life, and that new conscience you get, and that clean conscience you get, and that eternal life, the joy of the Holy Spirit in you, there's something evident there. Or is there? Is there no spiritual, supernatural evidence besides speaking in tongues and laying on hands and all that stuff that people fake? There ought to be change in your life. There ought to be a hunger for the word of God. There ought to be a desire to be a witness and a soul winner. There ought to be a burden about souls. There ought to be a concern about personal holiness. Folks, Jesus still changes lives. I and a thousand other people are living proof that he changes. Amen. Don't walk out of this room with the one opportunity you may have today and forever. If you went out of here, you have no guarantee you're going to get home. This is your opportunity to come talk to me. Let's settle it. Let's settle it. Are you saved? If you're not, let's get saved today. If you're not baptized, we'll schedule, go into the warm, balmy river. Give baptized testimony to the world. You believe in the Lord Jesus. Amen. Stand with me. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, in this day and age, with all the Wikipedia and all the Internet and all the YouTubes, people are more confused than ever. <coughs> and you're not the author of confusion. I've done my best. I, I just pray that you would put in people's hearts this morning a desire whew, to have the confusion cleared away, especially about salvation. If anybody's trusting anything other than Jesus Christ and what he did, they need to get saved. If they add anything to the gospel, Paul says they're anathema, they're condemned, they're, they're cursed because you can't fudge and fiddle with and adjust the gospel. Lord, I don't know. What could you do right now, God, to get somebody's attention? That their soul is so loved by you that you became a man and lived in this world as a man so that you could die. 
a horrible death. What more could you do to get our attention than that? Watching religious people cry out to the Messiah, crucify him. We don't want him. What more could you do? What do you have to do to get our attention? I pray that you've got it now. And that we would say, you know, Lord, I, I am baptized. I, I was saved. I'm baptized, but I'm not living right. Church isn't important to me. The Bible's not important to me. How can I claim to be saved if, if I'm so backslid? Now, Lord, I pray you comfort, encourage them that we get that way, but we should never stay that way. We've got an opportunity today to get back right, to make a commitment and say, Lord, you saved a wretch like me. Help me live a godly life now. If there's anything lacking, baptism, commitment to the Bible, burden for souls, I pray we make a decision. Lord, this was the day that you got my attention. And I don't care what it costs, I'm going to do right. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.